Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, for more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, May the 10th, 2016. And our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Then press 1 if you want to talk to us, and that puts you in queue. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. Welcome, everybody. We're honored that you're here to join us. As we carry forward this first century understanding of Aramaic forgiveness. And when you recognize that our culture has gotten forgiveness backward and that what we're here to do is to remove what never belonged within our structures in the first place and that forgiveness is a tool of removal, then you recognize that we don't have to go find something. There's, there's not something lost. We're not broken. We're carrying things within us that block our awareness of who we are. If you hold a newborn child, you get an experience of who you are, of who a real true human being is. And it is that awesome, sweet presence of love. And we've developed a body of work that is so natural to teach so natural to bring forward that literally anyone can do it. Our our invitation is if you are tapped into this work and you feel like it's your work to do, then please pick it up and take it forward and share it with others. Everyone teaches the work once they touch into it on some level. If it's nothing more than living more as the active presence of love each time they forgive and giving others the opportunity to see that, see the truth of who they are through others' actions and words. So this is a work that, you know, in terms of the, the self-healing process that we're here to present. And, you know, there's nobody outside of us that's going to heal us we don't have a diagnostic system to learn. You know, if you look at the word diagnostic, a dyad is two, and a gnostic is someone who doesn't know, two who don't know. There's no big complicated diagnostic system. There are no labels to assign. We don't have to give anybody a label. They've got this disease or that disease. We're not interested in that. We're not interested in treatment. 
whole process of real healing has to do with the simple restoration to who you are by the removal of who you are not. We know who you are. We know that you started out the same as everybody else. Whatever your life looks like, whatever crazies have happened, whatever disorders are going on, we hold to the truth of the presence of your human life is love, the same as the rest of us. And our vote for you is that you get to remember and experience in your own physiology exactly who you are as that active presence of love. So when one is restored to the truth of love, healing occurs. And healing may not look like what the world tells us it's supposed to look like, but bringing forward the truth of the state of being that is our real human nature is the real bottom line. And in this work, there's only one disorder to deal with, and that is a lack of the presence of love. There's one core tool, and that is engage in that which restores you to the presence of love. It's called forgiveness. You remove what blocks the presence of the truth of who you are, and in so doing, you're restored to who you are really. And once that's restored, healing has occurred. And so if if you're in a space where, gee, you know, everywhere I look, there's darkness. We're here to keep the lights on for you. We're here to keep the reminder of the truth of who you are. Whatever you've created, whatever you've set up, and probably the biggest atrocity done to us as human beings down through the ages and that we bought into is that we've had hidden from us the fact that we are by nature creators. And as creators, we're going to bring about results in our lives over and over and over again until we change the root of the source of those results that we say, I don't want to be experiencing this ever again. And creatorship means that whatever we hold, we out of that energy, we produce results. So one who holds an energy that's less than love will produce results that are not loving in their lives. And what the world teaches us to do is to look at the people delivering to us that result that we've asked for, and we've asked for it by the simple fact of holding that energy with, within us, the average person wants to blame the person who delivers the result rather than recognize that the source of the result is within us. And the truth of being as love means that nothing less than love belongs within your structure. If you can interact with someone, if you find yourself in a situation where something less than love comes up in you, that's your opportunity to learn to forgive that in you that is not the work of the person that you're looking at. And so one of the, the difficult challenges of this work is 
over and over and over again is it always comes back to me. It always comes back to me. It always comes back to me. Am I experiencing something less than love? My culture has taught me to blame and to language how that's somebody else's fault. You made me angry. And yet, if I'm experiencing anger, I'm experiencing the result of an energy within me that doesn't belong in me. The process of forgiveness says that if I experience a result that's less than love, then I apply forgiveness to that experience of the energy that's less than love, and I remove what never belonged. And as I remove what never belonged, I get free of it. It's called healing. So that's in essence where we want to head with this work. If you have not touched into the forgiveness processes yet, we invite you to go to our website, www.whyagain.org. And in the middle of the page, you'll see a bullseye, red and white, You may have to scroll down a little bit, click on it, and that will open a whole series of links. And those links will take you to step-by-step-by-step instructions for how to forgive, how to apply the tool of forgiveness, the tool of removal for what never belonged. The trick in removing what never belonged is to access the root of it. And that's what the genius work of first century Aramaic Yeshua did was to show us how to access those deep and uncover those deepest hidden parts of the mind so that we could be restored to love. If you look on the right-hand side of the home page or any of the other pages, actually you'll see a whole series of Uh, social media links, the bottom one is a Facebook, or pardon me, a a YouTube link. If you click that YouTube link, there are two videos in particular we would invite you to go and have a look at. The first one is one where the thumbnail picture is a picture of the world. Click on that one, and that will give you a very powerful introduction to the way the mind works, the reason why the mind has it backward, and the core of the forgiveness process. Then we invite you to click on a second link, and if you look at the thumbnail pictures, you'll see a picture, a blue cover of my book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And the title says PowerPoint. And that PowerPoint will take you into the core of the forgiveness process as it comes out of the first century Aramaic. You can watch each of those videos a dozen times, and each time you'll build a deeper understanding, build the brain cells for, ah, my mind has it backward. My mind's been blaming everybody else for what's going on inside of me. Now I understand that what I need to do is to delve inside myself, find the depths of my own mind where my pain is hidden, and remove my pain. The reason I want to remove the pain from the depths of myself rather than keep hiding it from myself is because that which is painful to me is painful because when I put it into my cellular structure, my cellular structure begins to deteriorate and it says, ouch, that hurts. I don't like that. So all pain is an invitation to forgiveness. All pain is an invitation to collapse the perception your mind is experiencing at the moment and drop into the deeper part of your mind where the root energy that causes the pain is held. 
bring that root energy forward in the presence of love and pain will tend to disappear. So that's where we want to go. And I'd like to invite everyone's support today. We have a friend, and some of you have heard her on the show uh, over the the months. Uh, she's someone who came to Heartland six or seven years ago, and then we kind of lost track of her. And each time we come down to South Florida, she'd usually show up for a workshop or two or three. And this last series of workshops that she did, uh, or we did in, uh, in Miami, she came every night. And uh, we were kind of shocked when we saw her because Monica was looking pretty rough. And unfortunately, I just spoke to a friend of hers. We haven't been able to reach her over the last several days. And uh, we spoke to a friend, and she's been dealing with cancer, which was why she was looking so rough. And it sounds like probably within the next few days, uh, you know, if they've withdrawn food from her, that probably she's going to be leaving her body. So if everybody would just take a minute and uh, take a breath for Monica and just hold a space for her on her journey as she moves on to what's next for her. Since we reconnected with her a couple of months ago when we were in Miami, she has been just so diligent at moving from a perception, a mind of fear and hostility into a connected mind of love. She's just, she's used every moment of her pain. She's apparently had some pretty severe pain. And the reason we have been able to connect with her the last couple of days is because she had, uh, she's been on morphine and, and is kind of just drugged out of it, I guess, according to her friend. And so we we'll just hold the space for her as she, uh, she gets ready. It appears at least to move on from, uh, from this life. And uh, for her next step, we hold the space. And we had the opportunity to go and spend some time with her son, uh, who unfortunately cannot connect with her right now because he's in prison. And so uh, if we just hold the space for him, it's, uh, I, I can't imagine the difficulty of not being able to go to your mom as she's getting ready to pass. But unfortunately, that's where he is at this moment. So... Just hold a space. His name is Brandon. We uh, we met him for the first time. He happens to be on the west coast of Florida in a maximum security prison, and uh, so we got to uh, to go and spend some time with him back a couple of weeks ago. Very very sweet young man, and uh, working through just some really heavy duty trauma that he's going through, but. Doing it like a prince, doing it very, uh, very clearly, very powerfully, appreciating the fact that he is where he is and knowing that he's in the right place to do the work that he needs to do. So we hold the space for Brandon as well as his mom transitions and uh, the whole family we just hold in that space of love. So I'll just invite you to take a moment and we'll just be silent and... Breathe for Monica and Brandon. It's interesting in the ancient Aramaic, there were a set of words that were translated by the Greeks as the kingdom of heaven. If you go to the Aramaic, those words don't speak of someplace off in the sky, off in the stars, somewhere above us or wherever. 
the words, and this is what Yeshua was talking about 2,000 years ago when he said, the kingdom of heaven is here and now it's within you. Those words more properly translated speak of the community of love. And so we're here to create that community of love and loving support and holding a space for each other as each and every one of us go through the layers of healing that uh, that we need to do. Also, we'll make an announcement. Uh, we, we did announce it briefly the other day, and we'll just do another brief announcement. Is that uh, One of the things we're working on getting ready to do is create and open a members area. On our website, uh, we've been having people ask for more access digitally to our uh, our video and audio products. And so we're in the process of doing that, and we, uh, we're converting videos and audios to go on the site when um, we found that because of the changes in technology, since most of our videos in particular were originally done, that uh, we were up against a, a major project that was much bigger than we originally thought it was going to be in order to get them the videos all converted to the latest technology that would be suitable for streaming. And so it's a, a project at this point that's bigger than what we can do on our own, so we're inviting your support. If you'd be willing to do that, you can go to whyagain.org, and there's a button that Jeannie has that explains the whole project. And uh, so we're doing a fundraiser need to, in order to, uh, to move to that next level for making this, all those materials available for streaming. We're looking at about a $10,000 bill. And what that will empower us to do is to make our videos available by a streaming mechanism on our website, a members area. And the members area has three different, or is going to have three different levels of, uh, of membership. And so people can join at $15 a month or $25 a month or $50 a month. And each of those levels will allow access to a certain number of videos. Jeannie's got that all laid out on the site, but we invite you to look at that. And if you've been finding yourself benefiting from, from this work and you'd like to offer the support to help to take it to the next level of availability, then we invite you to go to, uh, to that section on the website and click on it and make a donation and help us to do that. And in return, if you, uh, if you do it in the increments of an annual uh, donation for the member's site, then what we'll do instead of if you donate $15 a month for 12 months, whatever that works out to mathematically, uh, instead of a year of access, we'll give you an extra year. So we'll double it as a gift to, to say thank you and, uh, and give you access to these materials. And so if you're interested in doing that, if you'd like to support us, that would be very much appreciated. And or if you'd just like to support us in general, you can go to our website and there's a donate button. And basically beyond a uh, minimalist kind of lifestyle that we live, everything that comes into this work is used to create projects to make the work available on wider and wider scales around the planet until we've made forgiveness in particular available to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. That's our commitment. That's what we're here to do. And anything and everything we can do to do that is what we will be doing. And so we appreciate you. And Jeannie tells me that we've got somebody in the phone queue with a hand up. Let's say hello. Jeannie? Yes. Okay. Let me flip back over. I was writing notes as I go. Multitasking here. Okay, so it's area code 781. I think this is a continuation of yesterday's call, I believe. How are you doing? 781, you're on the air. 
Sorry about that. I was on the mute button. I know how that works. <laughs> Hi, hey, young man, welcome. Good to hear your voice again. Yeah, Finally, thank you really. for the uh, the contribution that you're making. Aside from the fact, for a long time now, you've been making a regular monthly contribution to support us. Uh, just to to say thank you in in public is that uh, two of the things that uh, that Ron is doing at this moment is that he's transcribing the four-hour Why Is This Happening to Me Again video uh, to assist in the writing project of rewriting Why Is This Happening to Me Again. And also, uh, he's going to be picking out the YouTube clips that we'll be doing, clipping pieces of that video to make it available on our YouTube channel. So thank you for that support. Much appreciated. Oh, well, it's, I, uh, you're, you're so welcome, and it's a pleasure and an honor, and it advances my process to do that. And I came up with a fun uh, game with Grace yesterday, my daughter, for those of you who don't know. I call it television tithing. So <laughs> I explained to her uh, the concepts of tithing and um, and, 10%, and and time, intelligence, money, and energy. And uh, that we put a little, so we agreed that for each uh, 10 minutes of of television she watches, I get a minute of her time to to work with the videos. Uh, so it's become oh, cool. a playful, like playful way of approaching uh, that, and also addressing, uh, you know, that some of the mind cells, the brain cells were really vibrating when you spoke about the television. On the you know, transcribing is for me another level, another level of. Uh, building brain cells, and so as I part of this came to me as I was transcribing some of your words about television and some of the commercial messages we receive when we open ourselves up to that little box in our home. So that's fun. Well, you know, you 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 rattle the brain cells of uh, one of the things from the ancient Aramaic where we're told in the scriptures that for a lack of vision my people perish and that if people do not have the capacity to bring a vision from the truth of their being into their minds, then one of the things they do is they sit around in front of a squawk box that has a vision in it. And that vision is being told to them, tell a vision. And so many people get trapped in those visions of the insanity of the world and it becomes the guide for their lives. And, Tough place to live, tough place to be. Yeah, yeah. There's a commercial now where, in a in a spirit of so-called humor, they're describing um, something they call a show hole, meaning that you are in a place where you've got one of your where you've got an hour where one of your favorite shows is not on. What are you going to do? You know, I mean, they they present it as some kind of uh, you know, terrible event when you don't have a show that you like for an hour in the evening, <laughs> and uh, it's 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 silly, but it's intense too. I mean, it's wow. Um, Back but, a year or so ago, there was a story in the news, and I believe it was in India, in a remote village where they got their first television. And the family who got the television set, you know, invited all the neighbors to come and see their television. So all the neighbors come and they sit and they watch a program on television. And 
you know, I don't know what was the next day or the next week, the neighbors are invited again and nobody shows up. <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, what, what, why, why don't you say, well, we already did that. <laughs> people people yeah. who actually have lives, we already did that. Like, why would we sit in front of that box and make that our lives when there's life to live? <laughs> When there's aliveness, when there are people who need support, when there's when there's work to be done inside and outside, why would we do that? So definitely, yes. entertainment has uh, stolen a lot of time from people that could be used wisely instead. One of my favorite teachers talks about the purpose of thinking is supposed to be entertainment. That we have all the entertainment. Um, at our disposals, but unfortunately our thinking has become so oppressive because of um, what we have carry around with us that the entertainment and the lightness that was intended to be present in our thinking is is all but gone. And that resonated for me when you said that. I was So this is a nice um, opportunity for me to continue our conversation from yesterday, Michael. I, I love the feedback yep. uh, that you gave me when I talked about you know, as I've been doing this transcribing, my mother, and I, by the way, I, I um, was breathing with you for the mother and, and son. Uh, my mother passed uh, in um, January of this year, and she's been very much uh, present in my life um, since then. And for two decades, or for, for my all of my life, I've been close with her, but particularly in the last couple of decades where I was doing this work, it was you know, a lot of joy and love in our relationship. And, um, you know, it was something that her passing was one of um, a lot of different emotions, but what seemed conspicuously absent for me was this sense of incompletion that I think a lot of people feel where, yes, there's incompletion that I would have liked to play with her for a long time more, but there wasn't the sense of I never said this, I didn't do that. I mean, that there was... Um, a sense that I had given her the best of myself for a prolonged period of time. And, uh, and that's an honor and a blessing. And I know that um, this young guy yes. has, has, uh, has the opportunity to continue to give the best of himself to his mom um, from wherever she'll be watching him from. But I, I suspect she'll be able to be close to him. Um, and uh, cause that's been my experience. So, um, so yeah. Um, yesterday, we talked about so. So since I've been home and I've been doing a lot of being a house dad and uh, transcribing, a lot of my brain cells have been. Uh, a lot of my genetic stuff has been coming up, and um, we talked yesterday, and I just talked about that, that's that sense of um, you talked about it in discussing the course that sense that's unhealable. It's just too much. It's just unresolvable. Um, and I, and I, I explained to you how I had gone upstairs to the, the bathroom and I felt this oppressive heaviness in my, and I immediately could get my mind's eye. I could get pictures of the bathroom uh, from when I was a small child. And, and I just was saying that, that, that we have so many descriptions of different maladies in our culture Um to define really what you're talking about, which is just us carrying all these burdensome realities around in our structure. And then uh, I'd, I'd love you to just talk a little more about that as you did yesterday. 
give me a little more of a sense of exactly where you're wanting to head. I don't, I don't quite have a handle yet on what it is that you're searching for. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, neither do I, <laughs> except that I will go forward. I, I did. Um, I guess what I'm working with, Michael, is you know I've been to Heartland. And I know how it feels after a few days on raw food and, and doing the work and being that supportive. And I've, I've, I've built a, a life now with a beautiful wife and daughter and baby on the way and relationships throughout my life. And now it just seems like there's this yearning for me to go to a new level of um, bringing the work into last night as I sat in my genetically now patterned couch time and TV time, I took out a big piece of paper and I started to do a mind shifter about my immaturity um, you know you have the mind shifter that says the craziness in our household is healing us all so I wrote my my immaturity and, and um, and anger is is healing my life and I started to just write and write and write as I watched TV and as I and today I found myself doing a worksheet on my own name um just this, I want to just I want to cry. I mean, just this, so long I've lived with just the sound of my own name, Ron, being a sad sound. Try breathing with you. Go to the, go to that feeling. Reminded of uh, an interaction I had with Julie Haverstick once when she said to me, She said, You're not a disappointment. Hmm. Such a beautiful day here. I get the sense that uh, what you're processing right now is a gift for your daughter, Grace, to let yourself be free of that energy and your household be free of that energy of grief and sadness and the belief that whatever it is exactly that has you hold that even your name holds sadness and that you take that burden of that deep loss and grief. And I think that oftentimes that burden is simply the experience of the loss of being. To to have known who we are, to have lived as the presence of love, and to have given that up is such a... a traumatic experience to go through. Uh, That makes sense because I, especially in light of the, the, um, the hierarchy of healing in the sense that I think I processed a lot of the, uh, the terror and the rage, not, not that there isn't more, but that, but this seems to now be the sadness. Um, from that and the heaviness and the grief. So I breathe with you and letting letting yourself 
hold that presence of love and as we join you in holding that space to process through all the layers and all the generations where there is grief from the loss of what is really true and what might have been. Yeah. And I don't know if Julie is on the phone, but she might be with us and have some uh, some input for you. Julie, if you're there and you're having to share with Ron, maybe you'd hit one. Yeah, I, am, I have a son on the way, so I get to to be with him in mm. a new way that hasn't really been done in my awareness in my family's tree. It's been done in small pockets, and that's been that's why I'm able to do it now, in a, at a deeper level. Maybe I want to honor those who came before me that provided enough of a spark for me to be here. Yay! And yeah. I honor you for what you've chosen to take on in your life, and instead of passing it on, you've chosen to face in yourself and forgive it, remove it. Thank you. Thank you. It's very motivating. To, Pretty awesome. It's very motivating to offer that to the young generation. You know, I've got nephews and, of course, a daughter and a son on the way. And it's very motivating to want to to do the work for them and for my and for my and for right now as I sit on this as I stand in this beautiful day and, and want to enjoy uh, what the, being alive means. And it's not something I can put in words. And I, I also feel motivated to comment. Um, Yesterday, as I sat in the sauna, I wanted to create a new 12-step group, a new a new kind of 12-step group. And then this morning, I was really committed to uh, talking to you about a new workshop that I decided is missing from from your you know from the, the portfolio. And there there may be some validity to that, but what I'm getting to is that a lot of times when I'm finding myself feeling like a cat on a hot tin roof looking this thinking that there needs to be a new tool that something's missing. It's because I'm I've got another layer coming up and I'm avoiding it and I want to run. You know, and 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 the the work that you offer us the work that we have here is to it's is plenty deep enough. Um and 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 a lot of times when I think I need to go off and do something new, it's less that there needs to be something new as it is me wanting to avoid uh, something that's coming that, that's knocking on the door for me to feel. Uh, nice catch. Thank you. So I I invite your support and and, uh, and, and, I, and I also want to uh, have another catch that, that you know, Moving away from the the television driven evenings and all of that is not something that I can do with with violence um it, it's not something that I can do with that i that I choose to do because there's i just i get that the the reson, the brain cells of violence are resonating in me because i I think that anything that needs to be changed just I need to go and do it with some kind of uh violent kind of uh angry method and um 
and I choose to do it gently and and with support and with acceptance of myself, not always doing it just you know, I, I may have a goal to do it, you know, to be to live like Michael Rice the way my imaginings of my the way Michael Rice would approve of, you know, and, and, and Your I need projection. To, <laughs> my projection, exactly. Yeah. Hundred percent. So I just invite uh, your support for me to gently, uh, gently move through this, and let, and let what shows up shows up because I think that whatever I think I need to create is not as good as the beautiful feeling I just got, you know, processing this with you. I, it was just felt so beautiful to move to feel that gentle touch into that sadness and breathe it out and feel the support. And then I watch the sky get a little bit brighter and the trees get a little bit brighter. Birds feel a little bit, sound a little bit better. Uh, just that's something I can put on a, on a goal, you know, on a, I can't put that on a to-do list, you know. Right, right. But you can journalize it to right. retain it for yourself for, for a time when perhaps you dip into another layer and in that layer there may be forgetting. Oh, like, you know, there's I'm an sure. old... Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, forgetting like one minute from now, right? <laughs> but yeah. Sometimes it's ten times a second. You have to restore yourself and go back for sure. But there's an old saying that uh, you know, to the to the hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. And a lot of times, when our perception looks like something we should be hammering on, like there's something out there that we should be as you spoke of doing violence to do, it's because the violence within is what's forming the perception, forming the pictures. And so whenever the mind is producing pictures that seem to deserve some sort of violence, that's my opportunity to apply forgiveness to my violence, to remove it and to come forward and to keep coming forward as the active presence of love. And whatever energy is moving in me, my mind will tend to make the world I see out of that energy and I'll think that what I'm seeing is outside of me when the fact is it's inside of me. As I was, as I was, one of the just—I don't know if this is on track or not—but one of the catches that I had was when I was writing about um, immaturity uh, versus maturity. I, I thought the mature mind, the the immature mind, demands to be treated with kindness, and the mature mind offers kindness. It's kind of a, you know, even though. I hold the goal for kindness in both situations. The, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had arguments with my wife because she didn't meet my goal for kindness. She didn't treat me kind as kindly as I thought she should. When 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 if I had been coming from a place a different space, I could have been offering that to her as opposed to demanding it from her. The only reason I'm not treating you kindly is because you didn't treat me kindly. That sort of thing to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, such a trip, aren't we? There's a flow, yeah. There's a directional flow of, of attention that I get 
Um, you know, it's it's about being am I a source of attention that I can offer to people, or am I a, a constantly fearful um, effect um, of what other people might offer to me? Um, so, anyways, I'm pretty much processing. Go ahead. I was going to say one of the tools that I found useful is just. To, to keep the reminder in my mind that, for instance, as you just said, you know, I want to throw out something that's less than love toward my spouse because she is not treating me lovingly. And to recognize that that, you know, the breath that tightens the chest, that tightens the jaw, that tightens the fist, that clenches, to just remind myself that while my mind has a picture of someone else, this is about me, this is about me, this is about me. I actually posted a picture on my Facebook page today. Someone reposted it, uh, and the, the caption was, there are no friends or enemies in the world, only teachers. Mm. And I posted that with a statement that and this applies to ISIS as well. Mm. And that if something happens in my world that I want to come forward with violence toward, I've just uncovered the next piece of my own work. Yeah. Boy, that that that, that statement about it the, to the to a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. I mean, that shows up a lot in our culture about, you know, things, even things like patriotism, you know, I love my country. And if you don't love it the way I do, I'll do violence to you. You know, it's, it's a, there's something wrong with you. And that's just, you know, the mind, once again, it has a judgment about itself being wrong. Something's wrong with it. Unable to look at that pain. It makes it about someone else. And it's only the mind in pain that strikes out in violence. And, you know, you you can't do enough violence to people to end violence in the world. It just doesn't work. <sighs> um, well, you know, I, I, I will bring up, um, unless if, if there's other callers, then I'll just step back and, and listen. Um, if, there, if there's a space to, I'll bring up one other topic that I wanted to, to discuss with you. Go for it. And that topic is the idea of um, looking at the canceling as a nominalization, meaning like a nominalization is, is when, for those who aren't familiar with this particular, this particular discipline, a nominalization is when we take a, a process and we reduce the process to one word or one verb or one noun. Your, part of your brilliance, Michael, is you take things apart, things that were nominalizations like forgiveness, and you break it into this, all these, these. Um, so all of a sudden, instead of having uh, one word that covers the process that might be different, you might have 10 people say, can't. you might line up 10 people and you tell each person to cancel, and they each might do a different act inside themselves. And so I was... I would love to um, put out there to look at the can- the canceling from 
start to break that apart, start to look at what we do with our attention when we cancel, you know, in, in ways that might take that from one word to cancel and, and start to look at different ways that we can share about what what it means to cancel. You know, it could be as simple as gripping your keys and letting go of your keys. That's one way. It could be finding ways to open up our energy system. It can be to to move our attention from, like like the example of Mammoth Cave, and, and that you give about Mammoth Cave. I I shine my pen light on the diamonds, and that I I move my light. You know, I, I reverse my attention into. I have a goal of me holding the diamonds and celebrating it. But all throughout my mind is all these other realities of me not having the diamonds, of me being okay without the diamonds and just moving my attention to one of those, one of those other realities where I'm, uh, you know, so there's just all different kinds of ways of, uh, to me, of canceling. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I think that, um, you know, in the, the uh, the worksheet on a couple of occasions we have the words soften and breathe <laughs> and they're two of the core keys to the canceling and to recognize that I, if I have a goal that I'm holding tightly to then my perception is going to be driven by that goal and is going to lock me into a certain way of seeing myself in the world and when I can cancel that goal, when I can soften and breathe and just say to myself, I, I'm canceling, I'm letting go of that goal, then the next step, you know, to take it into that bigger piece is then to drop into the underlying part of the mind and bring love with me to that. I mean, all of that is part to the of the thirty-foot pit the process in the of canceling. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, and the other one you have is, and sometimes I think just once the, the the other one of the other many tools you offer is the whole idea of the altar. You know, once it comes, once the goal pops up into my conscious altar, sometimes the letting go is spontaneous, just upon noticing that. I mean, is that is that what you've experienced as well? Absolutely, absolutely. When I can hold to the presence of love, and you know the the core of the forgiveness process being recognizing that let, let's go back a little bit for people perhaps new to the process or don't have these brain cells so there's some harvard research that says that in a time frame where 10,000 brain cells firing the max amount of data that can go into conscious awareness is 9 bits and i offer that the ancient name of the conscious mind is the alter a l t e r it's where we can alter or change things. It's not about the A-L-T-A-R, the altar, the place of worship. Although, in a sense, people worship the, the projections of their hostility and fear and make them real and put them before their relationship with love. If you look at that directive in the commandments, it says, I am your creator. Put no false gods or graven images before me. And we cut ourselves off with these graven images, these literal pictures that we make up of things that are made of our hate, our fear, our rage, our guilt, our trauma, and we cut ourselves off from the presence of love. And so when you recognize if the nine-bit mind, for the the sake of having a metaphor to speak of it, when the nine-bit mind is filled with data from the past, 
And that data from the past is pretending to be something real in the moment. It's the canceling of the goal that cleans off the altar, that makes a space where I can drop into a deeper part of my mind that holds the root of my pain and be freed of my pain. And so as I soften and breathe and I cancel the goal, the perception that fills my altar that's based in hostility or fear collapses. And when I breathe into that, I then get to drop into, you know, the world of psychology has pretty much told us that uh, 90 to maybe 95% of our mental processes are unconscious. They're beneath the altar. They're not visible and therefore not directly changeable. So how do I get, if there's something hidden under the surface that needs to be changed, how do I get it to the altar? Well, there's a great line in The Course in Miracles that says, leave your altars free for a moment of all the things you placed upon them. People worship their need to be perfect. People worship their need to control. People worship their need to be right. People worship their rage and their guilt and their fear and their ability to blame others. And through and another, that worship, they, they create graven images that cut them off from love. Another big one, Michael, that, that occurs in, in our, our beloved New Age circles and our unity circles is the... Is the um, you know, the worshiping being positive, you know, the, the notion mm-hmm. that we're going to, you know, it brings me right to that uh, Carl Jung quote that you have, uh, that you put forth about on a recent show about, you know, we don't become enlightened or awakened by worshiping images of light, but by bringing the darkness conscious or something like that. I don't have it exact, yeah. but, the, you know, we do a yeah. lot of that in the kind of new age circles. We say, hey, let's put a, Let's celebrate, you know, all the positivity, and let's show how, you know, basically, it's like, let's show how great and how much we can smile and live our lives with, with as much, you know, without touching any of this, you know, while we're carrying all this garbage, as opposed to just learning how to go into the garbage and and let it go. Definitely, definitely, that game of premature positive thinking. Wonderful to be a positive thinker. But if you're doing it on top of a negative foundation, then sooner or later there's going to be trouble. What our suggestion is that people have true, honest, and appropriate thinking. Let themselves access what's hidden, throw it out, and then be positive. Build your way to the stars. Great. But on top yeah. of a negative foundation, it just goes so far and things fall over. But also, it's not, and, and I know, and for the, to further the conversation, it's not just about, I know that. You know, it's not just about, um, I was talking to my friend, Dr. Ron, and we said there can be two people. Um, One of them is in the room, you know, doing deep, deep process work. And he goes, I just did some really deep process work. And he just felt it through his whole body and he was breathing and going through emotions and tears and all this. Another person's on the sidewalk card that says, I did deep healing work. And And so the guy comes out of the room and talks to the one with the note card and says, I just did some deep healing work. And he goes, yeah, me too. You know, because he read it on a note card. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Great example. Just, uh, yeah. It's it's a, and I've been I certainly have I've, I spent my time in both places and continue to. I mean, I still have uh, plenty of of uh, stuff to to work through, as you know. 
while I breathe with you and move through it. It's funny too because it's so mundane. It's not, and there's nothing mundane about it. But it's not about. It's really what I set out to do, almost 20 years ago, which was to bring Heartland to the Northeast. Except I didn't know, I didn't need to build my own um, retreat center. I, I could just show up as as love in my in my own yard somewhere. And that was back before I had a house, before I had a family, before I had a career, much of a career or anything. And now right. I am sitting in my car talking to you and and just am amazed at how beautiful this day is and how awake I feel. And uh, and there's sadness and there's plenty of work yet to do, but it's uh, it's a very rewarding moment in my life. Awesome. Thanks. Fabulous. So I will, uh, I think I'll go on mute now and, and there's another seven minutes for, for conversation, unless you have more that you want to discuss with me, of course I'm available, but otherwise I'll just go on mute and listen. Well, question. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to do another, for an assignment that would have you doing another huge chunk of work? Sure. I mean, like I, I mean, a really huge piece. I don't know. I don't know. I want to. I, I want to know what the assignment is. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> well, let me share. Let me share that. Um, there's a a new film out there that Jeannie and I just went and saw a couple nights ago. That for me opened a huge space and. Actually, for a couple of hours after the film, when I thought about it, and I'm kind of touching into that feeling now, the space that it opened in me kind of reminded me of about, uh, let's see, probably 10 years ago now, my daughter was dating a young man who was I remember drinking. This. Yeah, and um, he was on her birthday and told her that... Uh, he wanted to marry her, and she was like, no, we're not getting married. And he said, well, if you won't marry me, then I'm going to kill myself. And She was driving, and he had taken her out for a birthday dinner and took him home, and his friends were there and said, oh, he's, and assured her, he's okay. He says that sort of thing all the time, but, you know. So she dropped him off and went home, and uh, a couple hours later, the police were at her door, and he'd taken a shotgun and blown his head off literally and when I first talked to her after that happened um, she couldn't speak without just a continuous cry a continuous moaning cry that just erupted from her uncontrollably And uh, when we came out of that film the other night, that was exactly the state that I was in. It it just resonated so much, such a huge piece of work. And I suspect, you know, with what you're saying and where you're at and what you're ready for, that you might be ready to do this. And I would suggest that you probably go to this film by yourself. I doubt that your wife would be ready to watch it. And certainly I wouldn't take my daughter. Uh, 
because it's such a huge piece. But it sounds like a piece that you might be ready for, and maybe if anyone else is listening, it's certainly an issue in the world that needs huge, huge amounts of attention. Very real issue, very realistic film. And the subject of the film is a young girl who's about the age of your daughter. And so as a father, I suspect this would just uh, open a deeper space for you to pass on a different world to your daughter and to your son for the healing that you'll do through this particular film and holding the space of love. The film What's is the called film? Sold. It's called Sold, oh, S-O-L-D. Yeah. And it's a story of a young girl who's sold into sexual slavery, who's stolen from her home. And just the insanity in the film ends up with uh, the statistics. And she remind me, was it five and a half million people? I don't remember the exact number. Okay, well, I believe at the end of the film, they're, 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 you know, they're, the motivation of making the film was to bring awareness to, to get people to look in. You know, Yeshua says, look into your errors in thought and the errors of your society. Well, this, the filmmakers here are, in a very powerful way, getting people to turn toward the sexual slavery that's going on in our world, in this case, about young girls. And, you know, it's. But I believe the number was about five and a half million people today live in sexual slavery, have been sold into sexual slavery, and uh, it would be a powerful piece of work for you to do. Yeah, I'll do it. It's yeah. been on the. It's been that's the topic's been on the periphery of my attention for. I don't know if it's weeks or months or what, but I've been. Um, it's. When you said it, it feels like something that's been uh, knocking on the door to be looked at. And uh, I didn't know about this particular movie. But I've been watching, uh, I've been noticing different articles and statements about uh, some of the atrocities that, that even as, as recently as this discussion around the Super Bowl last year and what the uh, law enforcement was facing around that and, um, yeah, I'll do it. Okay. Well, we're down to the last few seconds. I'm going to need to close the show out. And once again, we can continue the conversation. Or thank you for calling in and for the work you're doing. It's a powerful contribution to the work and to the world. In the thank meantime, for everybody, we hold the space. <laughs> Take it. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to call up and not know what I'm going to say. And I invite others to do the same. Yay. All right, blessings, everybody. Best year yet of eternal life. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the Internal Aramaic Process of Forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic Forgiveness, 
please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.